where I'll be preaching from today. Um, we're starting a new series titled The Stories of Christmas. The Stories of Christmas. And I know we're in Thanksgiving season um, and Christmas is coming, but I'm just telling you there's so much in there that, uh, that I decided this week to go ahead and start. I was putting it off till next week, but I thought, you know what, there, there's so many things I want to preach about from this that God is giving me uh, that I want to share with you. And we're talking about, uh, today we're, I'm going to be preaching under this title, uh, Zacharias. I'm going to be preaching about Zacharias. Your own doubt could rob you. Your own doubt could rob you. And we're going into the season of thankfulness, and most of us what we do is we we reflect on the things that we are thankful for. And um, this year, maybe you feel like there's some things when you reflect, you're thinking, this year, I'm not sure. Maybe you're grasping, maybe you're searching for something to be thankful for. Uh, But we can be thankful in this, that God makes no mistakes and that he's in control. And the year that you've had this year, it has brought you to a certain point that God has wanted to navigate you to, that you may have never chose to get to that point on your own, but God is setting some things up in your life and he's going to do something in your life because of where the year has brought you. And when you sit down, you can be thankful for that. You can say, God, I thank you that you're in control, you're not caught by surprise, and that all of your ways are perfect, even your ways that... Uh, sometimes affect me in ways that I'm unexpecting, that I'm not wanting to happen. God, you're perfect in your ways, and there's something to be thankful for. Malachi chapter 4 ends the Old Testament. That's the ending of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament ended with a promise, and the promise was this, that the Messiah would be coming to his people. It happens in Malachi 4 and 2. It says, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now, who wants to grow fat like stall-fed calves? Not many people think growing fat like stall-fed calves is nice, but believe me, this is a blessing to God's people. And the promise would be fulfilled only after this one fact. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 give us this, and this is the end of Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great dreadful day of the Lord. And he will, return the, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The promise was only going to be fulfilled after the return of a prophet, Elijah. Malachi wrote these words around 420 B.C. And it would be 400 years since this prophet or any other prophet would speak any words on behalf of the Lord. 400 years. For 400 years, Israel had heard nothing from God. Of course, there had been pretenders. There had been people who came along and tried to assert that they were something that they were not. But for 400 years, there was just this void of emptiness where God had once spoke to his people, 
from the lips of prophets and from the writings, there was nothing. And pretenders that came along, these false prophets, they always ended the same way. Their prophecies, their claims would come to nothing. It would come to nothing. And what had once been a living, powerful relationship with the one true God who dwelt there among his people with signs, miracles, and wonders, doing things in their midst, it had become this empty religion of tradition. It had become no different than the pagan religions that surrounded them. Tradition of sacrificing to a silent God because every other religion had their gods and they would make sacrifices also, but their gods did not answer. They were silent. And now the one true God had become silent in the midst of Israel. The faithful people, the determined believers, they still showed up to the temple for sacrifices. But there were people who had grown cold and they had grown lukewarm after multiple generations had gone, come and gone and there was no word from God, they grew cold. Even with the faithful and the determined and the zealous, when they showed up to worship, there was little expectation that something amazing could happen. Gone were the days of past prophets that would call down fire from heaven on a mountain. Gone were the days of prophets that would come out proclaiming something for the people that they hung on those prophets' words. Those days were gone. It was just tradition. So the people who waited outside the temple on this particular day, these were the remnant. This was the, the true Believing remnant of Israel, the last holdouts that were clinging to a true God in their midst who was waiting for something amazing to happen. They'd heard the prophecies. They'd heard all of the tell of what would transpire in God's kingdom. And here they waited. They gave sacrifices and they prayed, anticipating the moment that their priest would emerge from inner place, carrying in his hands a new word from God. Imagine that. Imagine what it is. Maybe you can't imagine. Maybe you've been there. Being a true believer that's so spiritually thirsty, you're parched at the silence of a routine of worship with little return, just a tradition over a lifetime. And that's exactly where they were. They were hungry and thirsty for God to move on them in a new and dynamic way. 400 years for Hundred years. So what gathered on that day in the courtyard? It was the most devout. Would their priest step out from behind the veil with a message after 14 generations of nothing? This particular day, the lot of burning incense on the altar inside the temple fell onto the shoulders of one man named Zacharias. Zacharias was a priest in the course of Abiah. 
Zacharias was a righteous man, blessed above many others. It was and continues to be a blessing to be a priest. And guess what? You're a priest. You say, I'm not, I'm not a priest. No, you are a priest. Peter said that we are a royal priesthood. That means we're blessed. We're chosen. It means we're special, God's own special people. Zacharias was living in this. He was one of the chosen few. He was a priest. He had this blessing. Not only was he a priest, but he had the blessing of having married the daughter of a priest who descended directly from the first high priest of Aaron, Elizabeth. Luke's gospel tells us they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of of God, Luke 1 and 6. Their lives were peaceful and quiet, filled with simplicity and service to God and to his people. This was a first and last in the lifetime of Zacharias to be able to go into this holy place and to be able to serve the Lord. He was over 80 years old and never before in his life had he been so close to the place where the spirit and presence of God was supposed to and meant to dwell inside that holy place. Never before had he broken in on this level. He was as close as you could imagine being to God in that day and time. Never before and never again would he be that close. You see, every week on the Sabbath, the course of who ministered before God would change. And he was of the course of Abiah, as I mentioned earlier. There were 24 courses of priests, and all of these priests took turns ministering before the Lord. And so it was this month, this particular month, when in this particular year that the course had fall to Abiah and now Zacharias was at that right age and had enough seniority and had been around long enough that he would be the one to offer incense. Zacharias was to go into the holy place of the temple to burn incense on the golden altar. Some priests would minister their whole life without being given such a gift. And it is a gift to be able to go into the presence of God. That's a gift. It's a gift for you and I. Every day we have the opportunity. We can go into the presence of God. What a gift. It doesn't take any kind of tradition or ritual. It just simply means getting in the presence of God. Praying until you break through the flesh, break through this realm into the presence of God. Praising and worshiping until his presence fills the place where you're at. We often overlook how big of a blessing that is. We take it lightly. We don't consider it. What a blessing. What a gift from God. And here Zacharias was and laid in his life. First time ever. Going to get into the presence of the Almighty God. You know he had to think. I could just look, peek in, see what's on the other side of the veil where the presence of God is supposed to dwell between the cherubim on the mercy seat. See if it's there. This was a big day in Zacharias' life. 
Zacharias chose two friends to be his helpers. Through the great door of the temple they went to find themselves surrounded by the golden splendor of the sanctuary and the brilliant colors of the veil there before them. One of his friends removed the remnants of the previous day's offering and then reverently backed out of the holy place to the court outside. His other friend approached the golden altar and carefully covered its grid with burning coals taken from the great brazen altar where the sacrificial animals burned. Then he too retired out of the holy place, leaving Zacharias alone in the presence of God. He knew well what was on the other side of that veil. The sacred ark of the covenant, its mercy seat on top, The presence of God is supposed to be enthroned there between the cherubim. In past happier times, it was true. Temptation to look in. The moment had come. Zacharias advanced and put incense on the fiery coals. And just like that, clouds of pungent perfume rose up into his face, a fragrance that would cling to him the rest of the day, advertising to anyone he came in contact with where he had been, that he had been this close, so near to God. No one else would have that. Outside, the multitudes of people were praying anticipating any moment the return of Zacharias. They're getting antsy, wondering where he's at. It shouldn't take that long. But in the holy place, his duties discharged, the old man prepared to leave the sanctuary. And then he saw him. Maybe it was a flash of light. Maybe it was a noise. We don't really know. It just says an angel appeared standing priest was suddenly afraid he had been brought face to face with a messenger from another realm the voice echoed do not be afraid calming Zacharias from this mounting terror words that followed probably hung over Zacharias stunning him for a moment your prayer is heard Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. I can imagine and picture Zacharias standing mouth open, a silent prayer that he and Elizabeth had prayed together but had never shared with anyone. Maybe you can relate. We've all prayed those prayers, silent prayers that no one knows. We've prayed those things in private that only between us and God, the deep hurts, the deep wounds, the heartache. and Maybe we've had the experience of someone exposing that prayer. I can remember my wife and I, we were going through a, a, a season in ministry looking at some things that were happening with peers and people that we come in contact with regularly and I prayed one night. I didn't even tell my wife I was praying this. I was just praying God for direction, for an answer. I wanted to be certain that I was following the voice of God in my life and I was not being led off into a place that would take me astray. And I prayed that prayer at night. And I can remember being in a meeting, a pastor's wife coming to me and 
saying, I was sitting and looking toward the door when you walked in, and whenever you walked in, God spoke to me and said, I need to talk, you need to deliver a message to him and pray with him. And I said, okay. She began to say, you know, when you prayed this, you prayed that, and you prayed, and my wife didn't even know those prayers. You can't overlook a moment like that. This was a significant moment in Zachariah's life. He's come confronted with an angel from the Lord. And now this angel is telling him the silent prayers that he and Elizabeth had prayed together, but had never shared with anyone outside that persistent problem that had been there, the source of shame for his wife. They had no children. But that prayer had been heard. That prayer had been heard. You should call his name John. You're going to have a son. Your prayer has been heard. God sees you. You're going to have a son named John. Verse 14 goes on and says, You will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. There it was. There it was. The Old Testament ended with a promise, a coming Messiah preceded by Elijah. And the New Testament opens with the promise, the Messiah is coming. And your son, the son you've prayed for, the prayer that you've prayed in private, your son, his name will be John. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a wonderful, glorious, what a beautiful thing of good news. 400 years of nothing. And now Zacharias on the day that he is in the presence of God ministering and putting that altar, the the incense on the altar. An angel appears to him. Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. The Lord is giving you your heart's desire and your wife's heart's desire. You're going to have a son. It's not just going to be a personal miracle. It's going to bless the people. But it happened fast. Possibly without any thought, a little doubt. Zechariah said in verse 18 to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. What Zacharias was saying, he was saying, give me a sign. I need further confirmation that this is going to happen. It's not enough that I just hear this. I need a sign. And the angel said, answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. For Gabriel, the thought of doubting the Lord's word had never occurred to him. 
this angel dispatched with messages from the Most High God was used to his word being received. But doubt, doubt is a devious thing. Luke 1 and 20 He gives him a sign. He says, but behold, you'll be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. And there we are. We get to the crux of the matter. A lack of belief. Doubt had crept into Zechariah sometime over the generations of hearing that there was no word being spoken. Somehow doubt got into his life. And now he gave voice to those doubts. Outside, the people were waiting for Zacharias. Verse 21 says, They marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. There's faithful people outside and they're waiting. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They want to know what's transpired inside. Verse 22, But when he came out, he could not speak to them. They perceived that he'd had a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Zacharias could have come out proclaiming a message of hope for the people, but doubt robbed him. Zacharias could have been saying how God heard and answered a private prayer that no one else knew about. Elizabeth was going to be having a child, but doubt robbed him. He could have been saying, finally, God is speaking again to his people, but doubt robbed him. Zacharias asked a question in unbelief. And in that moment, he was protesting and giving voice to his doubts. Your own doubt can rob you. The sign that he was given is that he would be mute until the promise was fulfilled. He would not be able to voice his doubts anymore. God, in a way, was blessing him by bringing silence on him. He would not be able to speak the doubt that was in his heart. His voice amplified his words and conveyed what was in his heart. And he had the power to sabotage his own promise. And that's what doubt will do in your life. It can sabotage the promise that God has for you because you give voice to the doubt that's in your heart. Jesus spoke this to the the Pharisees. He said, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. You have power whenever you speak. Because you can give voice to your doubts or you can give voice to your fears or to your faith. There's an option there. You can speak good things or you can speak negative things. You can be positive about what God is doing or you can be negative about what God is doing. And I'm not just preaching to anyone today. I'm talking from experience and from myself. There are times that we can fall into the trap where we give more credence to the doubt that's going on because all of the indicators outside tell us something else. Zacharias saying, but wait a minute, I'm old. I'm too old for this. My wife, she's well beyond years doubt can be devious Romans 10 17 says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God doubt when given a voice grows you can hinder your faith by words of doubt 
friend of mine said this, Donovan Hill. He said, it is better to say nothing at all than to give voice to your doubts. Maybe, just maybe, that is why Joshua had all of the Israelites as they walked around those giant walls of Jericho to remain silent because he didn't want anyone turning and saying one to another, this is foolish, this is crazy. Because doubts, when given a voice, they grow. Here's the thing, each of us wrestle at various points in our life with doubt. How many of us will say, I've wrestled with doubt. I've wrestled with some doubts. Here's the thing. The devil can't steal your promise, but he can get you to doubt God's answer. He can't steal your promise, but he can get you to doubt what God is answering with. It's a twisted thing, really, if you think about it. Faith can silence your fears, but doubts can silence your faith. Faith can silence your fears, but your doubt can silence your faith. People are robbed by doubt. Thomas was robbed of the joyous report that Jesus was risen because he could not believe their report. The Israelites couldn't believe the report of two over the other ten. And so because ten of the two returned a negative report, they doubted that they could take the land. And they wandered 40 years in the desert. And I see it manifest in all kind of people's lives sometimes, whether it's just the doubt at receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. People just doubt that God works that way. And it could be just something simple that someone told them at some time. All you have to do is believe. Nothing else can happen. Could be doubt at God loving them in spite of their sin, even when his word tells us that he loves us. It could be doubt at God's healing. It could be doubt at how God is choosing to provide. It could be doubt at God's answering. It could be doubt of God's protection upon your life. Doubt, doubt, doubt. And as doubt grows, faith is limited and silenced. Contrast Zacharias with Mary. The same angel, Gabriel, Gabriel delivered another message six months, just six months after, later in the city of Nazareth. It happens in Luke 1, 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, notice her response, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Now you may read that and think she's speaking from doubt. But the angel knew she's not speaking from doubt. She's asking a very logical question. How is this going to happen with me, a virgin? Zacharias was 80 years old. Mary was just a teenager. And the angel answered, said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The angel tells her exactly what's going to happen. God's going to make this happen. God's going to do it. It was the same answer that was given to Zacharias. God is giving you a child. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Can you see it? Can you see, unlike Zacharias, Mary did not let doubt overcome her. She asked a logical question. How is this going to happen with me, a virgin? How am I going to have a child? She asked from a heart of faith and not from a place of doubt. And her final response reveals just how much faith she had. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let me, let it happen to me. She was saying, I, I don't understand how. I don't know how it's going to happen. Even with you saying God's going to do it. There's still some things I can't figure out, but I'm not going to worry about that. You just let it happen to me. Zacharias doubted. He said, I need another sign. This is not enough that just saying God is going to do it. I need more. I want to talk to us just for a moment. I'm getting ready to end. Your doubt could rob you of what God wants to do. Your doubts could rob you of what God wants to do. The majority of us are going to take time this Thursday to show some thankfulness to God for something he's done in the past. But what if, what if you took time to thank God for the thing he's not yet done? The thing that he's told you was going to happen but you've had doubts. You've wrestled with some doubt. You've wrestled with fear over how it was going to happen. You've watched and you've tried to massage and manipulate the will of God and say, this is what's going to happen. Maybe this is the channel God's going to use. Instead of doing that, why not step back for a moment away from doubt and say, this hasn't happened yet. I don't know how it's going to happen. Nevertheless, let it be done. Let it be done to me. And thank God for the thing that he's already set in your future. The promise that's going to be fulfilled. The angel said to Zacharias after he rebuked him, he said to him,
He said, you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. You know, so that's what I found with God. God will speak something. God will set something in motion. And we're praying. We're waiting. You know what the thing is that we need the most? It's just for them to be fulfilled. But it happens in their own time. And if I'll step back from doubt and I'll step back and just trust God and allow God to work. God, I I don't know how it's going to work. I don't have it all figured out. But nevertheless, let it be done. And I just hold on in faith. And when I find myself wrestling with doubt, I go and find the word of God. I say, God, I still don't understand. But your word, your promises are true. Your promises are yea and amen. And you are not one who is slack concerning your promises. You will do exactly what you said you would do. Right now, I feel a witness of the Spirit in this place. He's talking. You feel the presence of the Lord. He's confirming. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that faith would rise up in this place. God, instead of allowing doubt to rob us and sabotage the promises you have for us, God, that we pull faith out and silence the fears in our life. Silence doubt. Because doubt is trying to silence our hope and our faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you'll stand with me. If you're at home, would you join us in prayer? The Spirit of the Lord is ministering and is moving right now and speaking to some people's hearts. God is reminding you of some things that He has promised you in your life. Doubt is trying to say it's not going to happen, but I'm telling someone, don't let doubt try to rob you. Let fear fall to the side. Put your faith in the Lord. Trust in Him. Trust in His Word. God, I don't need to see another sign. You said it would happen. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why don't you seek the Lord? Let Him minister to you as they sing.